Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We have a quarantine special podcast that we are excited to get to you today. I'm your host, Alex, and I think my other two co-hosts are still alive. We got Holt Smash on the line. What's up, Holt? Not much, Alex. I'm trying to socially distance myself from uh, our friend JB over here. Dude, that is tough. He does cover up a lot of ground over there. JB, you doing all right with all this uh, coronavirus going on and everything shutting down? Yeah, my big ass is taking up half the office here, so it really is kind of hard to socially distance. Uh, me and Holt probably have about maybe three feet apart, which is not ideal, but we also need to be somewhat close in order to record this podcast in an efficient manner. I mean, some some people like I mean, some people have, uh, you know, the six feet mandate, but we are so all we all are essential business to the economy, so we need to you know, kind of you know strategically disobey that rule and get a little bit closer for the for the welfare of our listeners yeah nothing's gonna jumpstart the economy like the sec slow smoke podcast right i mean we're 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 just we're we're friends we're good people out here i can't think of what i'm about to say it's been a while i'm a little rusty out here you have to forgive me we uh we have podcasts it's football season so uh this is just going straight into it so we're we're seeing uh, how rusty we are um whole smash what have you been doing for the past six months minus this last like week or two of quarantining i mean honestly just been a steady diet of going to the gym and going to work and then coming home and going to sleep i mean that's pretty much it um, and, i live, uh, a, pre- live yeah, a pretty boring life let me uh correct myself it hasn't been quite six months it seems like it's been six months it's been like maybe three since the national championship in uh in january um so going to the gym and not doing too much um you just do you lie awake at night Holt, and like think about maybe one day football season will begin again yeah i really have i was really looking forward to spring practice and um you know seeing everything uh kind of come together with mike leach and i uh, seen the offense in the spring game and uh all that stuff but uh, unfortunately due to the circumstances not going to see it um baseball season was going really well and i had to get stopped as well and march madness was just about to kick off so Pretty yeah. depressing, honestly. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I think football season is maybe the the hope we have right now of getting things back to normal. Yeah, it is quite um, the March sadness as Bryce been describing. JB, you have been busy despite this quarantine with your um, job. You know, want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, business has really picked up uh, for my company. Uh, my company is a, a local delivery company in Memphis. 
Uh, we compete toe-to-toe with the big names like uh, Grubhub or DoorDash and Uber Eats. And, uh, of course, right now we're on the front lines. Uh, we're out and about, uh, even though Memphis is completely shut down. Uh, we're out on the front lines going to restaurants and trying to bring people hot meals during this difficult time for a lot of people. JB is literally putting his life on the line for his fellow <laughs> Memphians. Yeah, really, just so he can stay um... – so he doesn't have to get sick during this podcast season. Uh, JB, are you under any kind of strict guidelines or restrictions whenever you handle food? Do you have to wear gloves or a mask or anything like that? Um, well, we put out some guidelines. Um, what we have is uh, we have no contact now. So all orders are dropped off um, at the door and that's it. There's no, no contact, no communication. So you just ring the doorbell and walk away. Mm-hmm. that's good and you um you're picking like the box up so you're, you're obviously not touching the food but is it are you leaving like a bag at the door or is it like you're touching the box um the bag is being left at the door i mean you can still check orders by looking at receipts but you know that's the best you can do uh you obviously you don't want to have boxes being opened and breathing on them either so can't really do that at all but i mean it, i think it's a great service <laughs> I think it's a great, sorry, I know it's, it's, it's a very sensitive topic, but I mean, you, you can't be doing that. And, and right now, I mean, I think it's, it's a great option for a lot of people that, you know, that might frankly be scared to go to grocery stores and being around a lot of people. And right now takeout's a good option because it is fairly safe. You can't catch the virus foodborne. And also uh, it supports the local restaurants. Is foodborne a medical term? It is. With all of this going on in uh, the, uh, restaurants shutting down JB and like there's a stronger push for local restaurants and local business in general. Do you, do you see a stronger push for your food delivery catering business over Uber eats or some of the national brands? Um, I would hope, uh, you since we are local, I would hope since we are a local business, but I mean, not to be, you know, just to be frank here. I mean, the business is not, you know, lost any business since this quarantine and, you know, the coronavirus outbreak began. I mean, it's it's jumped. But at the same time, we're pushing local restaurants mainly because uh, the local restaurants are the heart and soul of the community. And it's not just for Memphis. It's for pretty much any community. Yep. And, I mean, chains are going to survive this, especially fast food chains, because they thrive th- with drive throughs and they're still getting lots of business. But most sit-down restaurants, like most local restaurants are sit-down. You don't really see local fast food. Most of them are sit-down. And they don't get as much takeout. So right now, I mean, we're definitely pushing people to go local and support them by getting takeout during this difficult time for them. Hold I know you don't want to talk about the coronavirus. So I'm just going to lay out this uh, the schedule. This is peak, uh, peak off-season podcasting right now. So we're going to talk about some SEC football, of course. We have rapid fire at the end. And um, SEC football, there's not a lot of sports going on in football really going on. So there's we have to be creative with what we were talking about. So we're going to um, – we have some general guidelines of what we're going to talk about. I think Holt has a little more details on it, what exactly we're going to talk about. And I think I have some things I want to talk about as well. Um, so I'm excited about it. But um, do you want to talk just a little bit more uh, about our personal situation to see what's going on? So Holt, are you – I'm assuming you're working from home now all the time? Um, starting tomorrow. Today was my last day in the office. I brought home my monitor and my laptop and – um everything i need and i even ordered a desk on amazon and put it together when i got home from work today and yeah got it set up 
and everything. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be working from home starting tomorrow. I am surprised it even took that long. My uh, my office sent an email out um, about a little bit over a week ago, like whatever. Um, I think this Friday would be two weeks. The CEO said uh, you can work from home if you feel more comfortable. You don't have to come in the office, and most people took that as like I can work from home and I'm going to so there was about like 75 to 80 percent of people uh work from home the last like week and a half and now um Atlanta just got the mandate and our office is in man is in Atlanta where um everything is shutting down except for essential stores or businesses and we're not essential uh despite how whatever our company thinks we're not essential uh, right now so everybody can work from home so I um, I do enjoy working from home, but uh, it does get old and do get a little stir crazy if you don't get to go anywhere, which um, I exercise or go outside and run every day. So I get that. But are you are you nervous told about getting a little stir crazy? Yeah, I really am. And, uh, you know, we've had the option to work from home uh, for the past couple of weeks. And I'm actually the opposite. I, I prefer to go into the office. Um, you know, I get distracted pretty easily at home. I usually I work at home one day a week, um, which is, I think, about right. Um, you know, I'm afraid that more than that, I'm going to get a little stir crazy or just get distracted or, uh, maybe not, uh, put my best foot forward, I guess you could say. So, yeah. you know, I'm definitely going to obviously try my best and it's a tough situation, but, uh, you know, just going to got to do the best with, uh, the cartridge out. Yeah. So have you, um, switched to alternative working out, working out from home, running outside since gyms? I'm yeah. I had to order some resistant bands and some, uh, a yoga mat. Um, my gym shut down, um, like it's a national chain. So they shut down like the whole, every location in the country a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, um, I went to our other friend, uh, Dalton's gym for a couple of days, uh, before his ended up shutting down. So I ordered a yoga mat or resistance band and, uh, been doing some stuff with that. And then just been like running outside, which, it's a lot harder than running on a treadmill. Like I, 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 like I run faster when I run outside. I don't know why. I guess just like I don't know. It just feels like normal running speed. Mm-hmm. It's just faster, and like I just get worn out a little bit faster. And um, it's just I don't know. I just don't like running outside as much. It's cold. You're breathing in all that cold air, and like yeah. it gets up in your lungs and stuff. It's just yeah. It's not it's not comfortable. You know, I'm I'm, I'm I like a, a, a stable environment, a controlled environment. Yeah, you are the um, opposite of every other person that likes to run. Most people do prefer running outside just because you're not running in place and you get to kind of have better scenery. But um, I, well, do I like to watch uh, I like to watch like stuff on YouTube to like yeah. distract me from the fact that I hate running. Speaking of YouTube, hold perfect segue. So you came up with the idea of podcasting tonight after our uh, two month vacation from podcasting. And you specifically want to talk about what to watch on YouTube. I have stuff that I've written down. But I imagine you have something clearly you want to talk about, like what you have been watching or what you like to watch in the off season. Oh yeah, well I mean I'm a huge YouTube like fanatic. I like um, I probably follow like, a couple hundred channels, um, and I check like every day, and I usually will watch YouTube for like an hour or two hours every night before I go to sleep. It but, does. Uh, it does like take over. It's not like it's almost as bad as Vine or TikTok now. Like if yeah. you start watching TikTok, they're really short, but they just you'll like look up and like, man, this 45 minutes has passed for me watching like 30 second videos and YouTube can be just as bad. And I feel like that actually like helps you or like makes me fight sleep even more because you just keep on watching uh, the videos on YouTube versus even watch TV. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, honestly, it's just kind of a way for me to like wind down a little bit. Okay. Uh, 
but uh you know it's like i'm i'm different than most people so I, I definitely understand but uh you know i mean there's just there's a lot of stuff out there you know i, I like to sort of get my football fix and uh you know lately i've been watching a lot of believe it or not a lot of like college basketball especially like march madness like moments yep. and stuff like that <laughs> yeah um you know just with the void and uh you know it feels like it's that time of year and that's what we should be enjoying so you know, there's some really good videos on there. Like, you know, some they're like 20 minutes long. If you if you just got time to just watch like buzzer beaters for like 20 minutes straight, um, it's really good. Um, you know, just all all kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, one of my favorite channels is uh, the College Football in an Hour um, uh, channel. I'm not sure who runs it, but uh, what they do is they go back and they have like all these college football games that they're condensed into an hour. So you can watch like pretty much any game from the last like you know fifteen twenty years. Do you skip um, through it or do you watch like? Yeah. Well, no, well, I mean, it just depends on the game, you know. So there's a lot of games I like to go back and watch. Like I always like to go back and watch that 2007 Arkansas LSU game, uh, the Kentucky LSU game from that year, um, you know, the Alabama LSU game from 07. Uh, yeah. Oh seven was a great year. A great. I mean, just a lot of. Uh, we even uh, had a whole podcast about 2007 last year, which yeah. I mean, we could. You know, you could definitely go back and listen to that sometime if you're bored. You do, know, you're would they would they be able to do like the um, A&M LSU seven or whatever eight overtime game uh, last year? Two years. Yeah, ago? I, I don't know. I don't know if that one's been condensed into an hour, but I'm sure that you could find a shortened version of that somewhere if you wanted yeah. to, because I know you probably don't want to watch this six hour version. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's that's a great channel, you know, to get your college football face because it's not really, like, a highlight. You still feel like you're getting, like, the broadcast, but it's just very condensed. So you can kind of get through it pretty quick. Um, I'm a very big fan of that. Like, that's, like, the, you know, 30 minutes. or There's another one that will do a lot of them in 30 minutes. Uh, but I just like an hour a little bit better. I just think, you know, it, it doesn't feel – like, when you watch it in 30 minutes, like, you can tell it's, like, really condensed. But if you watch it in an hour, it almost kind of – um, you know, it just cuts out all the commercials and like all the filibuster and advertisements and stuff like that, which you don't realize like really add up over the course of a game. So when you actually have like the the hour version, it's like almost perfect. Um, JB, uh, let me let me ask JB a question real quick. Um, is it? I have a feeling I know what Holt was saying. I feel like you're on the same page. Is it ever too early to watch? like old games on YouTube or whatever channel like the SC network for college football. Cause for me, like after the national championship, um, after the national championship game is in early January, I really don't want to watch college football for a couple months. That's me personally. I feel like y'all are different where like y'all could watch old games like the very next week. I like to kind of tr- tr- transition into basketball a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I usually start watching replays, usually sometime in the deep summer months, like usually starting in July, I guess, is usually when I started getting more into it. But to be honest, like the last uh, few months, I've been watching a lot of uh, LSU highlights. Even though I'm not an LSU fan, I really have enjoyed just watching their offense. And like I've watched like just their offense like in every most every single game they played this past year. Like you can watch condensed versions like they're like 20, 30 minutes to show all their offensive plays and it just it still amazes me the turnaround they made from you know the previous few years until last year and their offense last year was just poetry in motion and it was just it was a real pleasure watching that that offense and I've watched some like Joe Burrow highlights especially from the Oklahoma game where he just completely just was on another level like we've never seen and I mean he probably put together like the best season we've ever watched and it's, I've been watching a lot of uh, just you know LSU videos from the past year. We're um, 
we're going to keep this podcast open-ended because there's like a lot of stuff y'all will talk about that I want to ask more questions about. For instance, JB talks about LSU and Joe Burrow. Um, I have a couple of like open-ended questions about that. I had one for rapid fire that I actually might just ask now because it's more open-ended. But um, before we get to that one, I want to ask more specifically about Joe Burrow. The the only kind of sports content we get right now is NFL free agency and the up, upcoming NFL draft. And um, the Bengals are taking the probably going to take Joe Burrow's number one overall. There's a little bit of noise that like they might not do it, but I think they're just bluffing. I don't think they would be that risky to not take him. Um, do you think, Holt, that there's a chance that Tua could be better than Joe Burrow in the NFL? I am a little bit higher on Tua than Joe Burrow than most people are. Um, I mean, obviously anything's possible. I mean, honestly, if you told me eight, nine months ago that yeah. – that was like even an argument I, you know, would have definitely laughed about it. But I mean, I think the concerns with Tua aren't the ability. It's just his durability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he, he like, about, if, like, if you could tell me that like I knew Tua was going to be healthy, then yeah, I think you can make that argument. I mean, I thought he, I mean, it never at any point um, into his career as a starter, did I ever question his ability if he was healthy, you know what I mean? Like th- that was never a question. Um, they never lost a game or couldn't move the ball because of him. You know what I mean? It was always uh, him fighting the injury bug that was the problem. So, I mean, I I definitely think that, uh, you know, if he's able to put on some weight and, uh, you know, be a little bit more durable going forward, then I definitely could see Tua having an awesome NFL career. And, I mean, you know, Joe Burrow, like, yeah, last year was awesome. But, I mean, maybe a lot of things came together for him. Um and, you know, I, I I mean, I definitely don't think that he's not going to be good in the NFL. I, I think he is going to be good in the NFL. But, you know, I mean, there's always quarterbacks that have a lot of hype that don't do well in the NFL. So, the truth is, you just never really know until they're doing it. Yeah, that's the point I would argue exactly about Joe Burrow is that he had a really good year last year, but that was just one year. And you never know if that is going to be consistent in the NFL. And there's, to your point, uh, seems like a lot, of the, lot more of the NFL quarterbacks that are – great aren't the number one pick they're Russell Wilson in the third round Dak Prescott in the third round um there are some that are great as number one pick like I guess Cam Newton maybe uh if you want to mention that but even he's not great you know James Winston was one Mariota was two and they're both um off their teams that drafted them uh this year so just just interesting JB would you um if you had the number two pick uh, as the Dolphins would you pick Tua or would you pick Chase Young because I think that's a good question and if Tua doesn't get picked at number two, um, it would be the charge. And I think the I thought the Dolphins had a lower pick than that, but from what I'm reading, they have a number two pick. Yeah, I mean it's very complicated to me. I mean I think Chase Young obviously he's more durable, and you know you can always find. I mean you can always find a really good uh, quarterback. I think in the drafts most years. I mean the only thing I worry about Tua is obviously his durability. I mean you saw how he got beat up just playing SEC football. And then you're going and you go you take another step up playing NFL with you know bigger men and and taking even more hits. I mean, it's it makes me a little worried. But I mean, I do like his pocket presence. I mean, I think if you put him in a good system with a really good offensive line in which he doesn't have to take as many hits, I mean, I think it'd be good. But that's my biggest worry about him. I think he has the skill set to be uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Like I think he could be a top ten quarterback in the NFL if he yeah. stays healthy, but. That's the dump, that's a sixty four thousand dollar question. Can he stay healthy? His um, I don't know why that wasn't like a million dollar question, but you just limits it sixty four thousand. 
Uh, Who wants to be a millionaire reference there? No, no, no. I got that. I got that. But like, it would be a millionaire, million dollar question, not sixty four thousand. Um, who, who are y'all most excited about in the NFL draft? Not name Joe Burrow or Tua. I'll, I'll, I'll direct this to Holt if in case y'all are wondering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Are we just talking about quarterbacks or like any position? No, 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 anyone. And I actually prefer if you don't pick quarterback because I mean I don't think it would be either anybody yeah. besides or Joe Burrow. You know, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't been like super into like the draft this year. Me neither. So I don't even feel like I I have like a great answer. I hate to yeah. let you down. Yeah, okay. I same, mean yeah. Probably someone uh, probably like a defensive back from LSU or Alabama or somebody. Yeah, I mean I to be quite honest, like, I don't even know if I've ever watched NFL draft, like, in its entirety, like, ever in my life. Like, I just – it doesn't do much for me. And, I mean, I'll watch, like, bits and pieces, like, while it's going on. But I don't have my eyes glued to the TV, like, throughout the entire thing. Like, it's just it's, – it's too long. And it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's it's not as exciting to me either. Like, I just I – can't, I can't get myself pumped up for it. So, I don't really – follow like the combine and all that you know nonsense that i like to put out there like i am i will boring. say i will say i am kind of interested to see what happens with jacob eason like because i just know some team's gonna pick him like way too early just because of you know he's six five and he's got like a big arm not that he's not good but you know i just feel like he's gonna go higher than his college production would would have led you to think he's, he's gonna get picked so i'm kind of interested to see what happens with him I know it doesn't really answer your question because you were looking for someone good, but or SEC. I mean, he yeah. he kind of he's like a. Well, I mean, obviously this is Mississippi State related, but I, I'm obviously really um, anxious to see like where Willie Gay goes. Um, he had a really good combine and impressed a lot of people, and um, I think talent wise, he's probably one of the more underrated players in the draft, and he's going to be a really good value for somebody. You know, it's just the, uh, you know, the off the field incidents this past year and only getting to play in you know, four games plus the bowl game, uh, not really getting to play a full season. Uh, I think has, you know, knocks him down to the draft board. So um, I think someone's going to get a steal with him, at least talent-wise. And uh, obviously I'm really anxious to see what happens with him because uh, I think he's one of the better players in the draft, honestly. I think he's probably, you know, late first, early second round talent. My uh, my player that I'm most excited for is – not Judy, but Henry Ruggs, just because he's so fast. And um, there's a there's a lot of good receivers in this draft. I actually do get a little more excited about the draft than I guess y'all do. Um, more so just the first round. After that, I don't watch it as much. But I still, it's still kind of entertaining to watch it just because, like, Twitter is wild that night. Um, it's kind of like watching – being on Twitter during the Super Bowl or some kind of national event when everybody's commenting. Right. It's, it's fun. Yeah. But, it, uh, and another thing Ruggs, about, yeah, I was going to say, another thing about the draft is that there's always value later in the draft, too. What I was gonna say, one thing I do like about the NFL draft is you can always find some value, and especially in the sealed positions later in the draft too, like the third to fifth round category. So you, you're saying you wouldn't pick, not necessarily you just wouldn't put as much priority on wide receiver in the first round. Correct. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. you see some mock drafts, like T. Higgins, who was a star receiver at Clemson for the last three years, is projected like in the middle of the late second round in most mock drafts, which is. You know, that's a value to me. Like, if you can get someone like him, and, you know, you may not get someone like Judy or Ruggs or even Justin Jefferson out of LSU, but you can get T. Higgins, who is Trevor Lawrence's favorite target. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with that. You know, I was thinking the same thing, that um, I was seeing that Higgins was like an early second-round pick, and I was like, man, he uh, 
if he's a second round pick, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with all these receivers because he was pretty pretty solid at Clemson. I thought he was, and then Justin Jefferson, you know, was projected a first rounder in a lot of mock drafts. Was a two star when he was recruited out of high school, and he just blossomed onto the scene just this past season and just came out of nowhere. Um, all right, so let's let's get back out of the draft real quick. One of the questions I saved um, that I want to ask. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll direct it to you, JB, um, since Hulk got the last question. Um, is we we know how great this LSU team was last year, um, especially offensively with Joe Burrow. Um, I guess we could say like they were one of the statistically best offenses of like the modern era. I'm not positive, but that's what everybody keeps saying. I think. Uh, would you think if the past LSU team, the 2019-20 LSU team, or really 2019 LSU team, if they played the 2000 Alabama team with a great defense that was loaded uh, with NFL talent all over, do you think the Alabama defense could stop them? Uh, the 2000, did you say 2000 Alabama team? No, 2011. I think that's the right year. Okay, I thought you said 2000, because the 2000 Alabama team started off number three in the country, finished three and eight. But uh, the 2011 Alabama team against 19 LSU – I'd probably take that uh, 2019 LSU offense over that 2011 Bama defense because, I mean, if we're talking about today's college football, now back in 2011, maybe not so much. Defense was the key winner back then, but I really think college football's evolved now that the best offense is better than the best defense, and the best offense is going to be able to uh, put up more points than the best defense allows usually. Yeah, I just – I don't I, – I, I know what you're talking about. I understand how the game's evolving. It's just – that 2011 defense was so nasty. I just feel like they had played with more of an edge than, um, like, any offense. But that's just me. What do you think about the whole? Yeah, I mean, I kind of tend to agree with JB. I mean, those Alabama defenses back then were built more for power, not for speed. And I just – I feel like the LSU would, you know, probably throw all over them. I think a better matchup would actually be um, – see, was it the 2015 Alabama defense that had all those pass rushers? 26 um, with Minka. Yeah, the, the, they had uh, – Jonathan Allen. Yeah, Jonathan Allen and Williams. Right. The 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 who's the defensive end? That the Ravens picked. I uh, was it. It's not Rags. Something Williams. His last name was Williams, but he that dude was unbelievable. Yeah, that 2016. But like, that, that team could get after the quarterback like no one's business. Yeah, see, honestly, I think that's probably the better matchup for Bama's defense. Like 2011 was very strong in the secondary, but 2016 was really strong in the front seven, and I think that's really the best way you can try to beat. Joe Burrow and that LSU offense is if you get pressure on him. And even in, when you do get pressure on him, he's so good at uh, getting rid of the ball quickly. And also his pocket presence is one of the best I've seen in a college quarterback in a long time too. But to me, that's the only way you can beat him because LSU's receivers were able to always get open against pretty much everybody. So it didn't really matter. I think the best way to beat, to try to beat LSU's offensive last year would be try to get a good pass rush. So I would go with 2016's man of defense. That's the best match. Hindsight's, Hindsight's twenty twenty because I remember I think me and Holt were like the one of the only people two people picking Clemson to win against LSU, and like at the time it seemed like a good pick, but now it's just like it doesn't make sense at all that we picked Clemson. But I mean, it's you can't you well, never know. I, I did I did it for the LSU fans out there because I picked against them all year, and um you know I just I didn't want to I didn't want the national championship to be the game that I picked them to win and they finally lost you know what I mean yeah. I, I had I, if I was going to be against them I had to be against them all year yeah and I think I picked pretty much LSU in every big game all year too so I just kept on going with uh, picking them against Oklahoma and picking them against Clemson like I'd been riding high in them and also I picked them to beat Alabama 
in the regular season before that game too. And I'm, I, I was I was right behind that LSU team. I was a big believer in them, and I'm glad I was because they proved me right. I think I was a big believer in Auburn, not LSU. I think I had LSU going nine and three and like losing to Texas even. Well, um, yeah, like I wasn't a believer in LSU in the preseason, but just even watching their first game that made me a believer. And then, and then after, against and then after, Southern? well, yeah, against I forgot who they played the first week, Georgia Southern. Yeah, Georgia. And Southern. then, but I was a believer after that game. But the game that sold me was the very next week when they went to Austin and um, really took care of business against Texas. After that, I was completely sold, and I said, "This is the." different LSU team than I've seen yeah it um well one thing with LSU is like besides this year they have always kind of had high expectations seemed like they had always had high expectations and never finished within like the top five or top 10 really they um when was it like uh last year or two years ago they actually finished kind of stronger but they never finished like in the elite level to be in like the playoff conversation like they should have been yeah, I mean, that's just the story of LSU and, you know, not only underachieving, but struggling on offense. You know what I mean? That was just yeah. always like their story. It was the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, and last year they finally had a breakthrough. So, you know, it's it's going to be really tough this next year. I mean, they pretty much lost, you know, everyone. I mean, they lose, they lose Burrow, they lose Joe Brady. Um, and then plus, you know, it was like six or seven juniors early to the draft. So, I mean – it's definitely going to be a tough rebuild for them next year. Uh, staying on football topic, we'll get back to YouTube videos in a little bit. Um, but I want to talk about just this next decade since we're entering 2020. Um, we know Alabama and Nick Saban dominated the last decade, but curious who you all think is going to dominate the next decade from the SEC, or is it going to be more level and open? Um, I'll direct this to Holt. Um, you know, we know Nick Saban's getting older, so like he might possibly retire one day, or it could be the coach at the Alabama at the end of 2030 and still be like whatever he's gonna be like 75, 78, something like that. Um, but do you think there's gonna be one team that's gonna dominate the next decade at the SEC, or is it gonna be more level and uh, more parity? Yeah, I, did, I definitely think it's gonna be more parity, and I think you've definitely seen that the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think LSU and Georgia. Um, you know, I, I think Alabama's maybe falling off a little bit, but I think LSU, Georgia, and Clemson have really just elevated, you know, more to Alabama's level. Um, and it's just, you know, a little bit more even than it was a few years ago. Um, I definitely expect that to keep up, um, especially, you know, Georgia and LSU. Um, I think at some point Auburn will finally, you know, fire Gus Malzahn and maybe hire a good coach. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely don't see Alabama being – you know, the dominant force um, they were a few years ago, you know, 10 years from now. I, I definitely think that, you know, they've they've got a few more, a few more years with this Nick Saban run. And then, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many years, you know, I don't want to, you know, put a specific number on it, but I definitely don't think, you know, in 2020, Nick Saban's going to be their head coach. So they're definitely going to have probably a new coach at some point um, in the next few years. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they hire and what they're able to do. Um, and then obviously, I think Dan Mullen at Florida um, has done a really good job. And I think he's really brought a lot of stability to that program. I'm not sure, you know, what their upside is, but I definitely think that uh, he's good enough to, you know, compete with Georgia in the East. Um, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt's doing good at Tennessee, but I don't, I don't know if he's going to get it to quite the level of, you know, where Alabama and LSU and Georgia are now. Um, you know, and I mean, just, 
you know, I'm really interested to see what Lane Kiffin does at Ole Miss and obviously Mike Leach, Mississippi State. Um, you know, if they can kind of be like a landmine for, for some of the bigger teams. So, you know, it's definitely going to be an exciting decade going forward. But uh, I think it always, it's it's going to be a lot more of the same as far as like the programs at the top, I think. It's just going to be maybe a little bit more even than it was this past decade. And I'll go ahead and add on to what Holt said. Now, Holt said like the teams that, you know, already been mainstays in SEC for the past decade. I'll go and throw one team from each division or one program from each division that, you know, may not have been mainstays this past decade, but I think are going to, like, take another step and become contenders. Not saying they're going to dominate the division, but at least I, – I have a feeling that one yeah. of them is going to be Tennessee. I was going to say Texas A&M. Yeah, I was about to say. I knew one of them was going to be Texas A&M. It's got to be Texas yeah, A&M. I, I mean, I I mean it's, it's blatantly obvious it's going to be Texas A&M. I mean, just look at the roster that Jimbo Fisher is building. I mean, he's got a ton of starters coming back next year. I mean, I think next year they could be a 10-win team just looking at their schedule and what they've got coming back if all the pieces fall together. And just his classes, I mean, they're Texas A&M is going to be a really good program. I mean, in the East, I mean, I was going to say Florida is definitely a team that can emerge, but because they haven't really been much of a mainstay this past decade. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, they they may, they they kind of have. I mean, they, 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 they have been inconsistent. I would say more inconsistent. I mean, yeah, they've had some lightning in the bottle year. They had that one lightning in the bottle year with Muschamp in twenty twelve. They also had two back-to-back SEC East division titles with McIlwain. But they also had a couple losing seasons thrown in there, too. So, I mean, they were really inconsistent all throughout the decade. Uh, I mean, Tennessee was down. South Carolina had some really great years at the beginning of the decade with Spurrier before they fell off. Uh, Kentucky had one of its best seasons ever back in 2018. Vanderbilt, of course, made it to a few bowls with James Franklin. And uh, Missouri, they they won uh, the East, I think, back-to-back years, too, when they first entered the conference. So, there, you know, there's been some different teams that have had success. But uh, as far as the East, I mean, I think it's definitely – it's George's division right now. Uh, Florida's definitely trying to catch up. I mean, I think Tennessee can become a contender. I don't know if they're going to get to Georgia and Florida's level, but I think they could become like a, a team that could get, you know, nine wins every year and maybe have lightning the ball year every once in a while. And, you know, South Carolina, I don't know if they can get to that level. I really think it's going to be like the tier I would have in the East right right, right now would be Georgia and Florida, 1A and 1B at the top, with Georgia a little bit ahead, Tennessee third, and then next le- next tier would be South Carolina, Kentucky, then way down the list would be Missouri, and then way, 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 way down the list after that would be Vanderbilt. Yeah, well, I think Vanderbilt would – it's, they're always going to be competing against everyone else in this. See, like, I mean, going up against, I guess, the uphill battle, however you want to say it. Um, they definitely have a tougher, um, tougher slate. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you all about A&M if y'all didn't, uh, if you didn't talk about yeah. that just now. Uh, but what you're saying makes sense. Um, they're recruiting well and uh, you have Jimbo Fisher. But the problem is, I mean, he's about to be in his third year. Um, yeah, this is definitely point, a swing year yeah. for him. Like, I mean, yeah, at some point you have to win ten or eleven games, and like, I mean, if he wins nine games this next year, like that wouldn't be a bad season. Nine wins with a bowl win would be ten. That wouldn't be bad, but it's just you need to you need to show that you're able to win ten or eleven games in the regular season, so you can kind of scare LSU, Alabama, and Auburn in the West, and they haven't done that. I mean, they've done that with Johnny Manziel and Kevin Sumlin, but they haven't done that. Uh, recently, since then, really, that one year with Manziel. Yeah. 
Well, that that's what I was going to say, too, is when you talk about this year, like, it's just obviously a really big year. And it isn't just the record. It's also how they perform against those better teams. You know what I mean? Like, if they yeah. go nine and three, but they, like, you know, beat the crap out of, um, you know, everyone in the division besides Alabama and LSU and then play Alabama and LSU, like, really tough and they're really in the game. And then, you know, those are their losses. Then that's completely different than – them going nine and three and then like, you know, escaping a win against Ole Miss at home. And then, you know, another close win against Arkansas and the, you know, that robbery game and then just getting absolutely blown up Alabama and LSU and Auburn, you know what I mean? If that happens, then, you know, those are like, they're both nine and three, but they're two completely different things. And, uh, you know, if they go eight and four this year, or they, you know, go nine and three, get blown out by the other three powerhouses in their division. then you know, I think some people are really going to start to, uh, you know, start raising some eyebrows at uh, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is how close or how much you compete in the the bigger games because you can lose them. But if you're competing and the fans will have a lot more patience than if you do get blown out by, you know, 30 points or whatever it is, Alabama or whoever. Um, so it's a good point. Um, I had another question. I just don't know if I want to ask it. I feel like it's too, too much of too broad of a question. So I kind of gloss over this next one. Um Switching back to – no, I'll, actually, I'll keep it on football because I have another football question. Um, this might be a little controversial, Holt, but um, you can help me answer this the best, I guess. Do you think Mike Leach is a, a little bit overrated? Um, I mean, that's a tough question to answer because I feel like in some senses he's underrated, but in other senses he's overrated, if that makes sense. Like, he's he's never really won, like, a championship. You know what I mean? Like, so to – for someone to coach for like 20 years and be considered one of the best coaches in the game, but at the same time, never won a championship, you know, I think in that sense, you know, yeah, I mean, you could definitely say he's a little bit overrated, but you know, at the same time he's been at two schools and I guess this will be his third school where um, he's very, um, you know, I, I guess he's at a school where it's a lot harder to get talent in the teams he's competing against. So he's always kind of had to fight that uphill battle. Um, and, I mean, I guess in that sense, like, he's overachieved with the players that he's had. But part of that is because he has really not had good players. So, you know, at some point, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, are you winning championships or are you just under-recruiting and over-performing, you know what I mean, which is sort of what we've seen out of him. So, I mean, I guess you could say um, – I mean, I hate to say yes and no because that's, like, a bullshit answer. But, I mean <laughs> – it really just depends on like, I guess how you're asking the question. Like, cause I mean, I just think he, he just does things differently because he's not going to recruit great, but he's going to get the most out of the players he gets. And he's going to compete uh, with teams that recruit way better than he does. And so, I mean, yeah, that is the mark of a good coach, but at the same time, it's about winning championships, not, uh, you know, doing better than your recruiting rankings. Yeah. I think this will be, I mean, he's a little bit older, so I think this will be his last job, whether he, retires on his own will or is fired. I don't think he'll try to coach again, but um, I am excited to see him in the SEC like everyone else is. Um, Holt, are you familiar with the popular trending Netflix show, Tiger King? No, but I've been hearing a ton of people talk about it. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, Well, I saw somebody tweet about it last night, so I um, immediately turned it on because I guess I trusted the – the journalist that I read the tweet from and it's, it's really weird. Um, it's, it's, it's like watching a train wreck. It's like, it's very weird. And like the people in it are, to me are weird. Um, but 
like it's kind of interesting to watch um this podcast isn't going to be about tiger king or netflix but short synopsis is like there's there's independent exotic animal owners throughout the u.s and that like basically have independent like either pets or like tigers as pets or zoos like uh four tigers and like the main character or person in the movie has like 180 something different tigers at his like farm that's a zoo where he has people come and visit and the documentary is like seven episodes i've only watched two now but it just goes back and forth between this guy and different uh, other different people like him that have tigers that have um visitors people like pay kind of like attraction for zoo and there's then there's the other side of the whole thing where uh, there's people thinking that tigers shouldn't be, you know, captured and should be kept in a cage their whole life. They should be, you know, free yeah. and roaming. So there's a battle between like the people that are using them as pets essentially versus the people that think they should be free. But the only reason why I bring that up hold is that it is a very weird show. And I did see, uh, and JB probably saw this too. Clay Travis tweeted out that, um, he's doing a podcast on Saturday with Mike Leach, and they're going to talk about uh, Tiger King, the entire podcast. They're, they both watched it, which kind of makes me question. I mean, I know it's it's off season and everybody's really practicing, so there's not as much to do. So I'm assuming Mike Leach has a little bit more time on his hands than others because I couldn't imagine um, Nick Saban sitting at home and watching something on Netflix for seven hours like I can picture Mike Leach. But I think it would be kind of good – good content to listen to i mean to listen to mike leach talk about anything is kind of great content but something kind of weird like this with a great show um i think it'd be kind of fun to listen to him interesting and funny to listen to him break down the show yeah that's kind of been you know the thing with mike leach is uh you know he's he gets very i guess distracted kind of like us on this podcast sometimes where we just like we'll ask one thing and then we'll just <laughs> yeah. start talking and then eventually it'll lead you know we'll start talking about you know, college football, and then next thing you know, we're talking about, like, you know, some random shit in, like, Africa or something, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Right. it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty entertaining, um, uh, when you can get Mike Leach on a roll, um, so definitely may have to check out that podcast, but I did hear, and the only reason I brought this up is because you said something about Tiger King, but I think, I, I feel like I've heard somewhere that there's, like, more tigers in captivity, um, like not but not like zoo like it uh like just rich people's like you know houses and stuff yeah. i've heard that there's actually like, like more my- in like the state of texas than, than there are in like some like big ass country somewhere like where tigers live like naturally but anyway i just i, I just yeah. heard that somewhere and it reminded me when you said that good good trivia question um out there for y'all if you want to score some trivia points that texas has more tigers held in captivity other states and countries uh, yeah so um it will will be interesting to listen to that i'm kind of excited about that but um also actually i had one more question about mike leach and i'll ask jb a bunch of great questions too um i know you follow mike leach and i know you do too jb on twitter and sometimes he just has some like random quotes with like a it's not like a he didn't tweet it out himself he's like taking a picture of a quote and it's like kind of funny and i, I don't know if he <laughs> It tends that to come across as like original, but they're kind of funny. I'm just curious, where do you think he gets these from? Like, does he have like somebody, like a social media manager that manages his Twitter, or is he just like getting people sending this to him, or is he researching? On He's probably own? just in like a group chat with like all his old college buddies, <laughs> like Gene Chizik, 
texting him about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just interesting because they're like out of left field. Yeah, it's like that's kind of like why you like him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely you know funny. Most of the means he tweets out, I've seen like somewhere else before. But I mean, it's still yeah. you know it's still funny and entertaining, and you know most co- most coaches take themselves like really seriously. So it is kind of refreshing to see a coach be just a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, JB, it's your turn now. So we talked about YouTube in the beginning, and we talked about Holt likes to watch college football in an hour on YouTube and a bunch of other stuff, which I don't necessarily know if I want to know all the details of what Holt watches and doesn't watch on YouTube because I feel like there's some weird stuff out there too. Um, but um, it kind of reminded me because CBS Sports is doing some throwback March Madness games right now. Is there any specific March Madness game that – you really would want to watch on YouTube or CBS Sports, and try to keep this related to SEC if you. Can. All right, so you want me to talk about just March Madness, like SEC March Madness games that have to do with SEC teams? Yeah, more so that. But after you do that, you can give me uh, just a general. I mean, there's so many games. I mean, I mean, obviously, um, for Tennessee, I mean, I think their best game ever was when they uh, beat Evan Turner and. Ohio State as a six seed when they were a two seed uh, in the Sweet 16 to go to the lead eight. That's one game. That was back in 2010. Um, recently, uh, when South Carolina uh, beat Florida in the lead eight to go to the Final Four, that was a thriller. I, I was That was a great one, too. I, that's one of the games I like to think of. Um, I think that was in 2017, I believe. 2017, March Madness. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, recently, I mean, I'm trying to think of some good ones. Um I have a what about the uh, like, what yeah. about the Texas A and M comeback a couple years oh, ago? Oh yeah, against Northern Iowa. They were losing by like twelve points with like a minute left and came back in line. That's true. That's not a good one. Dang. What year was that? Twenty sixteen, I believe. Is the year they killed North Carolina in like the Sweet Sixteen or the second? I can't round remember exactly what year, but I remember they were playing Northern Iowa and they were down by like twelve or thirteen, like Holt said, and everything that could go A and M's way in the final like fifty five seconds went their way. Paul, you don't you don't love basketball obviously as much as football and baseball, but do you do you love or like really like March Madness? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially the first two, you know, or the, I guess the first weekend, the first two rounds um, is always really exciting. Um, you know, obviously yeah. wish that that's what we were talking about right now instead of YouTube videos, but um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's always really exciting, and uh, you know, it's not like every game is really good, but there's so many games on at once that like there's always going to be like three or four games that come down to the wire. And especially when they all, they're all happening like sort of at the same time and you're like flipping around. It's just really exciting. Really gets the, the blood flowing. And, uh, you know, you always yeah. want to see that, um, that upset, you know what I mean? Like that, uh, Oh, what was it like that Georgia state game a few years ago? RJ Hunter. Yeah. Went at the three he hit the deep three. And yeah. his, his dad was like the coach and like fell out of his chair or whatever. Yeah, Cause his dad wore an Achilles. So yeah. they wanted the, uh, conference championship the sunbelt championship uh that week before and ron hunter the coach uh, the then coach at georgia state uh towards achilles had to coach from a stool and his son hits the go-ahead three with like two seconds left and falls out of his stool that's one of the all-time uh, great march madness moments i mean out of many moments you know one thing one thing one thing about March Madness is I can appreciate it even if my team isn't in it. That's what I like, especially when you start rooting for, like, the small yeah. teams. Yeah, there's always teams you can root uh, for, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I, that's always the fun part so for, for Cinderella's. And, I mean, you and I, Alex, can relate. Uh, this year we really missed out on East Tennessee State not being in the tournament. I mean, they were probably going to be uh, 
a 10 or an 11 seed. And they were a team that was their entire rotation. It was majority seniors and a couple of juniors. They went about eight or nine deep. They would have been a team, I think, that would have made a run to the 16 elite. I know. I know NCAA is granting eligibility for spring sport athletes that um, like an extra year of eligibility. What about like I think I saw something today that said that's granting eligibility for all students, but I think I, I read it mm-hmm. late. Yeah, so I don't think it's out. for basketball. There's I think a, it's just for like baseball. And... Yeah, I can uh, let y'all know. I did read that uh, March 30th is when NCAA is going to vote on whether or not uh, seniors and not just seniors, but uh, non-seniors will get an extra year of eligibility for spring and winter sports. I'm not optimistic about winter, yeah. but I do think spring sports uh, student athletes are going to get an extra year. That's a that's a tough thing. Like I don't like it's it's obviously going to help out some students, but like there's also like students that really aren't student athletes that really exactly. aren't going to go pro. So like you there's I mean you're you're really forcing like especially yeah. the smaller teams, the ones that aren't pro, like they they could either start as like a engineer or a financial analysts had like a you know fortune 500 company or they could were uh, play another year of exactly. basketball and, yeah and there's a lot of seniors on these teams that you know put in four years of hard work on you know some of these smaller schools and you know they're not even gonna get a chance to go to the tournament i mean it's it's, it's unfortunate i mean life can be hard at times it, it sucks because you know you and i have followed the ccnc state program for the last few years and They've come close to making the tournament and have not. They finally put it all together this year, had an awesome team, and, you know, just got taken away from them just, you know, by dire circumstances that and have happened. Dayton too, right? Dayton was – yeah, Dayton's another great story, number three in the country. Uh, a lot a lot of people actually probably – some of the people would have picked uh, Dayton to win the national championship. I think Gonzaga would have been the favorite going into the tournament. They've never won a title. Uh, they're probably going to be the overwhelming favorites going into the preseason next year. So, I mean, it's not a huge loss for them, but – I mean, Dayton's another one. Uh, it, it, it does – it is unfortunate for teams like schools like that that have seniors that may not even have pro futures, at least especially in the NBA, and they get another year. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I remember – I forgot what the upset was, but it was some, like, small school in New York that upset, like, a, you know, a bigger school, obviously a higher seed in the NCAA. And uh, I remember, like, the coach afterwards saying, like, our – our kid that's a senior that like averaged like 11 points or scored that big, that big, made that big shot. He's going to go work on wall street next week while like this other guy's going to try out, try out in the NBA combine and go to the draft. It's just, it's just crazy. Like that's what I love about college basketball is that you have this mixed match of NBA players with people that are good, but obviously not great. And they're, um, they're never going to be on the same level again. It's like I was watching Steph Curry play tonight for Davidson against uh, Gonzaga in 2006, I think, or 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2006 or seven, and um, it was great just to watch. It was, you know, it was. Curry but, uh, versus yeah. Before uh, obviously we're still on this, and uh, Hold is definitely uh, ready to get to rapid fire. I, I, I'm sure you and I would like to touch on one more thing before we get to that. I guess maybe you and I could just say who our favorite March Madness player is and our favorite uh, March Madness um, game or moment from the last ten years. If you want to touch on that real quick, for, like, Mario Chalmers. Yeah, yeah. That's not they, for this decade, uh, though. They made I'm that... mainly just mean this past decade. Um, I'm gonna have to think about it for a second, JB. I don't. I don't like the game. I was gonna go say the uh, Villanova UNC national championship uh, in 2016. Villanova hits a buzzer beater, three point buzzer beater to beat North Carolina, and wins Villanova's first or 
Jay Wright's first national championship as head coach of Villanova after so many years of uh, heartache before that. There's a couple of good games I can remember. I remember when uh, Syracuse came back and beat Gonzaga, I think the lead eight to make it as a final four. They, they like changed from their two, three zone to full court press and it like messed up Gonzaga. And that was like crazy the time for Bayham to do. Um, that was a fun game. Um, probably one of the, one of the, best games also was whenever Wisconsin beat Kentucky in 2014 yeah. or 15. I think it's it was Final 15. Four, probably was definitely Calipari's best team he ever had at Kentucky and and definitely Calipari's best team he ever had in his career. I mean, that's that's the best team to never win a national championship. Yeah, that's what I, that's another thing I was going to bring up was that um, uh, talking about like things to watch on YouTube, like the 2014-15 Kentucky team, they were fun to watch, but they were – if you watched them play any SEC team on the road, every single time they played an SEC team on the road, it was a fun game to watch because they obviously played out of their minds. Their fans were like packed in the stands, and it was just fun to watch. Like they were, they like I think Ole Miss gave them a good game with Marshall Henderson. It was it was just crazy. Yeah, that was definitely exciting to watch. And um, you know, I mean, I guess I was gonna say it sucks that Kentucky's falling off, but then I thought about it and I changed my mind. But uh, I mean, they're still obviously really good, but not near to, to that level. Um, but, I mean, I don't really know if I have, like, a fair March Madness moment. That one I mentioned about Georgia State, uh, remember that, was it Middle Tennessee State? Didn't they beat, like, was it Michigan State? It was Michigan State. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really exciting game. And then, obviously, yeah. you know, the 16-1 game with, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's San, San University, University of Maryland, Baltimore yeah. County. So I still can't even get their name right. And then that wasn't even like a close game. Like they beat them by like twenty points. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was actually somewhat close in the first half, but in the second half, I mean, UNBC just turned on the Jets and they just blew out Virginia. I mean, Virginia just had no answer for them. I mean, they were just you know shell shocked. I mean, they could not believe what was happening because I mean, a lot of people were picking Virginia to finally win the championship that year, and then of course the following year they. You know, yeah. they, they go on and win the national championship after getting upset the previous year as, this, you know, one seed, which is yeah. an incredible turnaround. I think it might be time for a rapid fire. Um, I have, I think, like seven or eight questions. I think JB has like five, six questions that we're all going to fire rapidly at whole. So, um, JB, do you want to go first or do you want to – I think we should mix them up. Yeah, you, start you, one, you go first, one. I go – we'll just go like one, you know, you and me, then you, me, you, me. One, two. <laughs> sure. Okay. No, okay. what if we go you, me? <laughs> you, me, me, you, me, you, me. You. Um, all right. Are you ready, Holt, for the first rapid fire in like – Dude, I am. Rapid. I don't think we did one all season. No, we, we had to do at least one. We probably didn't do one since like – uh, we might not have done one since preseason. You might be right. Anyway. Here we go. Ready? First question is, what is the last non-essential item you bought? Um, let's see. Non-essential? I mean, the, I bought a remote for my new TV because it didn't come with one. I, I got it from my mom, and she didn't give me the remote, so I had to buy a remote for it online. Does that, Great does that answer. Count? Great. I, I, did, I did hear y'all have eight TVs now. Is it eight? I thought it was seven. Um, I did the count. Uh, we I, got... I, one, two, we got five two, big. We got five two, big screens. There's two in my room, but one of only one of them's a big TV, and then we got the small one in the living room, and then the big one in the living room. So it's four. Then you got one in your room. Don's got yeah. one in his room, and then I got another one in my room that's not being used. And then I got a tube TV that has oh, a VCR okay. connected to it. 
I hope you are going to be able to pay your utilities with all these TVs. You I mean, it's going to be pretty fun this college football season. Yeah. All right. Go all right. Ahead, my first question to you, Hold, is uh, what is your favorite chip? My favorite what? Chip. Like, I, I thought it's a chip, too. Yeah, like a boat. I was like, C H I P, like your favorite chip. Like, you know, Doritos, Lays, you know, Fritos, um, something like that. I'm a big fan of bar- just barbecue Lays, honestly. I'm a big, I know I'm probably totally forgetting something, but I think barbecue Lays is probably like my go to. Solid. What place that is shut down right now, Hold? Do you Dude, honestly, my gym. Like, I miss my gym so much. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could probably go with a lot of stuff. But, you know, just like we talked about earlier, I'm not a fan of running outside in the elements. Yeah. All right, hold up. What is your favorite type of French fry? Another food question. Like, from from what restaurant or, like, what type of fry? Type of fry, like, you know, crinkle cut, potato wedge, seasoned, house yeah, fry. Yeah, de- definitely, yeah, definitely, like, Cajun seasoned, I would say. Good call. Five guys. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. What is the best thing about the state of Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful. We got a lot of uh, talk things. Man. I mean, I, I got. I mean, I got <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, there's a barbecue place in Little Rock called Sims that I, I liked a lot. So I'll go with Sims Barbecue in Little Rock. All right, hold up. What celebrity would you want to be quarantined with during this COVID nineteen outbreak? Oh, let's let's limit this to non-sexual celebrities. I mean, let's, uh, let's just say, it, I mean, it could be any celebrity. I mean, it, Hulk can go any direction here, but I mean, just yes, if it's one celebrity. What well, I mean, first of all, I feel like if I don't say a woman, then it's going to come across the wrong way. I'm you know what I mean, because of the way you phrase well, the question, I feel I'm, like, 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 I feel like, is this just like someone that like I can just talk to and hang out with, or is yeah. this someone that like I actually like? I don't know. I mean, maybe you want to maybe you want to hang out with Dave well, Portnoy question, for two weeks. I don't know. No, definitely not. Another question, hold that before you answer that is, I mean, if you do pick like a hot girl celebrity, like how much sex are you going to have with her? Like before you get tired of it, like after like the second or third day, you're going to be like, man, this. I'm not going to lie. Like now. it's hard for me to even think about like think about that. Like cause I've never, I don't know if I've ever made it to that point with someone as hot as like who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were saying like you never, you know, gone hit a home run hole. <laughs> no, <Nah>, but uh, <laughs> no, I got a funny one that I'd actually go with. But I'm gonna let okay, hold let, answer. Let hold answer. Let well, you can go ahead. Cause I'm still thinking. See, my my guy. I mean, I, I know it's not even my question. It's not mine. Yeah. But mine would be Joey Molinero. I mean, I think he's one of the funniest dudes right now, and I could just sit and listen to him all day, just doing all sorts of impressions of all the different celebrities and athletes that he likes to do. Got that, Alex? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still thinking, honestly. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously I want to say Lindsay Palos, but I feel like I've mentioned her way too much on this podcast. Um, so I was thinking someone that, like, yeah, probably, like, like everyone has actually heard of. Um, so I'll just say Scarlett Johansson. I don't know who my like non-sexual. Yeah, there's someone that like I could just like hang out with. Like Price, it honestly like I'd want it to be someone like really smart, like maybe someone who knows, someone who knows like That's a ton about um, like something that I'd be interested in. Like I mean, honestly, like I mean, Mike Leach would be yeah. probably a pretty good person to be quarantined with. He probably, he probably like would have some really deep conversations. I mean, 
I would want to um, listen to like a president. Like I, I honestly would be wouldn't be opposed to listening to like Obama yeah. because I, like yeah, that actually would be a really good one. Through a lot. Would you? All right. Would you um, ask me about the aliens? Next one. That's what, that's oh. the first thing I would ask. I'd be like, hey, what's up with the aliens? What's going on in Area Fifty One? Yeah, yeah. Or like, so like I always think like when you're a president, like that, like after the first day, like okay, here's what the U.S. is really like. Here's what like all the secrets you yeah. don't know about. Like there's like a folder or something that's like. Think. <laughs> yeah, like an orientation video. <laughs> All right, go ahead with the next one. Favorite Adam Sandler movie? I'll go with The Water Boy. I think The Water Boy is my favorite. All right, Holt, uh, what would be your death row meal? Uh, ribeye, baked potato, um, Caesar salad, uh, maybe a bake, or maybe a um, banana pudding for dessert. Very nice. Definitely. Been- um, where would it be cooked? From like homemade, like not the banana pudding, the uh, steak specifically. Um, yeah, Folks Fall is really good. Um, Walker's Drive In in Jackson is one of the best steaks I've ever had. Um, definitely recommend that place. Uh, anyone who's in the Jackson area, Jackson, Mississippi area. Staying, staying on food hole, uh, <laughs> most slices of pizza you've eaten at CC's. Oh, uh, that actually reminds me. Someone we went to school with still owes me like five bucks because he said I couldn't eat like two whole plates of. Of, uh, see these pizza one time it's like after after I guess, a football game. I can see, I can yeah. see a little fat ass Holt like after a soccer football oh, game. Nice? No, no, this was in like maybe sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I mean, I don't number. If I had to guess, like the slices at CC's aren't that big, so I'd probably say like twenty. Yeah. Dang, the way yeah, does that does that include like it. the dessert pizza too, or just like the regular? Pizza? Yeah, well, all right, twenty five. Dude, yeah, I, that's the other thing too. Is like when I was a kid, it seemed great, but now it's just like it's just like a cheap. It's very like, cheap option, wait. basically. I couldn't wait to go to CC's yeah. after soccer games. Yeah. Like if we won, but I would like, still pick CC's over Little Caesars. All right, so hold. Ahead, what baby. would be your favorite? Um, sorry, let me rephrase it. What would be your uh, superhuman superpower if you could have one? I would. I would love to be. I mean, fly would be awesome. But honestly, I'd probably go with invisible. If I could just be invisible, I'd. I'd like that a lot. That's mine too. We both think alike. We rob a bank. <laughs> what? <laughs> what exotic animal would you want to own? Oh, that's a great question. Oh man. Um. Haven't we talked about this with Dalton many times? Oh, he wants an iguana, but no, I would. <laughs> I don't want an iguana. I mean, like it would be cool, but I've the more research I do, apparently they're like actually really shitty pets. Um, man, probably like I don't know, maybe like something like a bobcat or like a, a big cat. Yeah, like some kind of like bigger than like a regular cat. A yeah, something kind of like that. Yeah, not, not as like big as a tiger. Like a tiger. Not something that I couldn't take if like if if things got you know wiry. Like it could probably fuck me up, but I wouldn't die. Yeah, like a tiger <laughs> would definitely could definitely eat you if it got mad at you. But a puma, I mean, it could. A puma maybe, <laughs> but a puma is like I don't know how much they weigh. They might weigh like maybe somewhere upwards like a hundred pounds, a little over a hundred maybe when they're. Bigger. I do like those. Uh, those. Uh, are they called? What's the? Uh, God, what's the name of the um, monkey on Friends? That's what I'm saying. Uh, a white chip uh, cooking monkey God, or something like that? 
Yeah. Um, what is his name? Though it's, it's not. Oh God, it's not Cyrus, but it's like something kind of like that. God, what is uh, Marcel? Okay. Marcel. Marcel. Okay. Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, that would yeah, be that's cool. Was, if, was, especially if you could train it like really well. You know what I mean? Because like, I'll if I had a monkey, I'd worry about it. Like, you know, I guess the same thing you were about other pets, Should like it. crapping and pissing everywhere. Like. Go ahead, JB. And no, no more saying all, all right, the whole first. I'm just saying, that's the quote. <laughs> all right, so this one. Uh... <laughs> Did you hear him say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, it almost sounded like you're being sarcastic, but I, I didn't. <laughs> nah, no, I, don't, I don't think Debbie's that quick. All right, Holt. Go ahead, Debbie. <laughs> all right, Holt. So uh, your favorite March Madness Cinderella team. <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, George Mason was, was pretty awesome. Um, and I, I hate to bring up bad memory, but obviously Loyola Chicago was really fun a couple of years ago with the, with the lady, the old lady Sister in the wheelchair. Dean. Yeah. She's still alive too. That's awesome. All right. Your turn, Alex. <laughs> pretty as baseball swing. Um, right now or all time. King Griffey Jr. That's right now, I'd, right now I'd say Yelich. Yeah, that's what most people. I always wonder, like, what the other one would be besides I mean, King of Virginia. I love like the. Virginia, I mean, the, maybe it's not just his swing; it's like the whole like stance and everything. But Gary Sheffield, um, yeah, I mean, Chipper Jones had a beautiful good. swing. Um, it up, yeah, Jim Evans, Jim Evans had, had a good cut. one. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, honestly, a lot of like. I always like I the like left-handed swings, too. you know, too. I mean, left- Very yeah, swing. lefties always have, you know, the more just natural, like, uppercut swings. Always thought the same as so the funniest stance. Yeah. I think lefties in general just have prettier everything, like, pretty shooting, everything, because mm-hmm. it's just not normal. Or it's not, like, I wouldn't say normal. It's just not what you're used to seeing. Right. Okay. All right. Favorite type of liquor? Um, I'll go. I'll go Maker's Mark. Top five favorite wrestlers. All right. Well, obviously, um, okay. So the top two is easy. I'll save them for last. Um, yeah. Okay. So number five, I'll go the Undertaker. Uh, and granted, you're gonna learn, I guess, if you keep up with the wrestling, what the time period was that I watched wrestling uh, by my top five. But uh, number five, I'll go Undertaker. Um, number four, I'll go. I'll go the Big Show. Number three, I'm gonna go Kevin Nash. Big, I love them. Big sexy. Uh, number two, gonna go the Rock, and number one, Old Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everybody likes Stone Cold better. Than yeah, Rock. I, I thought, think like, I, thought I was the only one that liked like... Stone Cold more than the Rock. I can't believe y'all. I can't believe no one mentioned no. Goldberg. Yeah, go, I like Goldberg too. Goldberg in like his prime, like Goldberg man, was he was so good. Especially his spear move. Like that was my favorite move. Was the spear. I, I follow him on. I follow him What's on Instagram. He, he He's freaking jack, dude. Then you. Didn't you do it on your sister, Jamie? I did one time when I was like maybe like ten years old, nine or ten years old. Like that was back at the peak when I was watching wrestling, and that was during the peak of Goldberg too. And my sister made me so mad one time that uh, she got me in trouble by doing you know what you know little you know six seven year old girls would do like to try to get their older brother in trouble, you know older sibling. And I was so mad and fed up. And my mom obviously believed my sister over me. I was mad. I was looking for revenge, so. I was like standing outside her bedroom door 
And as soon as she opened the bedroom door, I was already in my stance like a football player. And I just like went and wrapped my arms around him, like, ah, and then just like threw her down to the ground. And then she started crying and I got in trouble again. Did you, did you let up at all or was it like a hundred percent? It was a hundred percent. God dang, Debbie, you're so much bigger than her too. I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, a 10 year old boy that had already been in trouble and, was, and obviously was not going to get any satisfaction unless he got the revenge. I mean, yeah, kids are, kids are bad. I mean, kids can do bad things. Don't. I got one more. I got one more question, JB. Go ahead. Okay. Right. My last question for Holtz is: um, Which SEC football coach would you least want to be quarantined with during this outbreak? Um. Let's see. Probably, I'll go with um, probably Eli Drinkwitz. I think. He just, I don't know. You can talk with him about how he's going to win the Sun Belt. Yeah, that's right. About, yeah, how he's going to win the Sun Belt <laughs> in Missouri. Is there is there some interest about Sun Yeah, I, I mean, like I would easy like that because I think he'd be a cool person to just be around and just see, like, how he lives his life and talk to him about bring stuff. Him out, basically open yeah, up his personality, bring him out of the show. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's not like that, like, in person. Like, if, he also probably has a lot yeah. of stories too. Like you could talk about like the player you yeah. watch with him. I just sure. want to hear about all of his like game stories, like what he was thinking at exact moments during his big games. You know how fucking tired he would get of y'all if oh he was God. asking every single question about like his position. He would just he blow would, up on y'all. And then he would probably pound his Coke bottle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question we hold is one. Who ate the last oatmeal pie, Jordan? <laughs> Terry, <laughs> one business you are scared won't survive the virus. Hmm. I mean, honestly, like, I'm concerned about like a lot of the local places. Um, I mean, I guess it would be more along the lines of like restaurants. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess. Maybe lost E bias. I don't know. I don't know what their situation is. I think they'll survive. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you know, because I know Huey's is going to be fine. Like, they are. Huey's is going to be yeah, okay. Central barbecue. Yeah, Central fine. will be good. I don't know yeah. about, you know, I mean, commissary. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, mean, I Yeah, I ate at a restaurant today that I think could be in jeopardy because they're only open at lunch and they rely heavily on their lunch crowd and their lunch buffet. And that's uh, Leonard's Barbecue in Memphis. Uh, I went and got some food there today and i mean it was really sad walking there because it was just the owner and maybe two people working in the kitchen and i mean the whole restaurant the lights were off i mean just it was dim and there there's only one other customer that was there in front of me and i mean i know right now they're struggling i mean they're not going to say it but they are and i mean that's one thing i'd want to tell all of our listeners is definitely support your uh, local restaurants and local businesses during this time i mean they are the heart and soul of your communities JB, I know you're eating out more. Um, I'm trying to eat out a little bit more. I'm trying to do like maybe twice a week um, ordering out. Um, besides today, I did go to Chick-fil-A and they were still pretty busy. Obviously, they're not as busy because they don't have the dine-in, but they were still busy with the drive through But I'm going to try to do twice a week ordering out from hopefully local places that um, question whether they'll survive that I like. Holt, where have you gone or is that your plans? Yeah, I mean, obviously we hit up uh, NWO today, um, New Wing Order. Which I've 
I yeah. just heard about um, JB. It was my yeah. first time trying it. JB had uh, sampled their wings at Memphis's Wing Fest, which I believe they won uh, either last year or two years ago. Um, you know, definitely, you know, they just had a food truck that came over to a parking lot nearby where we live and, uh, you know, got it for the first time, got some Cajun fries also, which were really good. Um, the wings were really good. Um, you know, they, they have like the really like meaty ones, you know what I mean? Not like the little, the little bitch wings. So, uh, they a lot of restaurants will give you. And, uh, I've obviously, I've eaten at Huey's twice, um, since everything's kind of shut down just cause, you know, obviously I just want to support them and, always really like the bartenders at those places and I know they're really struggling. So try to, you know, just go in and just support as the business as much as I can. Um, the ones that, you know, I care about because we don't want the world to turn into just nothing but chain restaurants. You know what I mean? Nobody Absolutely wants that. Not. Part of what makes um, every town great, especially a place like Memphis is all the, the local places to eat and the local, you know, flavor, uh, no pun intended. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something we want to keep going. So, yeah, just like JB said, we definitely encourage everybody to go out and support, you know, all your favorite places that are local, um, you know, during this time because it's obviously really hard for them to, you know, turn a profit. A lot of companies, you know, and I'm sure Alex probably knows this more than anybody, operate, you know, right on the margins. And uh, something like this can really um, set a, a business back. So, you know, definitely want to be supporting uh, those local businesses that, um, you know, you care about a lot and, uh, you know, help them as out, help them out as much as you can by giving your business. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to eat out, you know, usually I would eat out one or two times a week. Um, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of choice because the grocery stores are, you know, been kind of picked, you know, through, um, there's not the same selection or usually as the grocery store. So I'll probably eat out maybe three times a week. Um, hopefully, you know, right around that still am trying to keep, you know, my fitness goals intact. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's um, it's obviously we want to help out the local businesses, but it's also kind of like a, a nice excuse to be able to go out and eat more. I mean, you're not going out, but you're eating out more. I guess you're bringing it back to you. But uh, yeah. I think that's kind of cool. It's like you're um, yeah, like I've altered my uh, plans like pretty much. I mean, as far as like grocery stores, like they're going to survive because I mean, they're getting even more business now because of panic buying. And they're not going to ever close. And in fact, a lot of them are hiring and thriving during this outbreak. So I, I, I don't really have to do a lot of grocery shopping. I, like my changing with this, that I'm going to buy essentials at Kroger and maybe buy like a, few, a little bit of food. But I'm going to try to like eat out and like do takeout about four or five times a week and just try to and like try to go to places that I think are at most risk. Like, and, I mean, I don't I mean, I don't know if I'll do Huey's or not just because I'm I'm pretty confident they're going to be fine and survive or places like central barbecue. But just like I mentioned, like a place like Leonard's barbecue, like is a good place. Like just places that you think that may or may not survive. Like, I think it's just good to like do that like four or five times a week, just trying to like help out and contribute to some of these places that are really going to be struggling. For sure. I think that concludes our show today. Um, don't know when we'll be podcasting next, but we're going to try to do this more periodically. Um, probably not weekly at this point, but we'll do it a little bit more period periodically check in to make sure, um, you all know that we're still alive as Holt likes to say, um, hopefully the next time we talk though, we'll be closer to college football and hopefully returning closer back to normal or life as we knew it before the coronavirus took over. So I'm excited for that day to come as I'm sure, um, everyone listening everyone in the world is so um 
Until then, make sure you stay safe and wash your hands. That's all we can say. Um, yeah, and make sure you follow us on Twitter and uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and every other podcast outlet. And we will eat see local. You Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.